I'm just getting started. I, you know, many people think once you get into a good job, then that's the end goal. You made it, but you know, you've just got started. All right, guys, welcome to episode three of Ox Talk.、Um, I'm very excited to listen to this podcast episode with my best friend Womo. Man, he's been through like so much. Right now, he's living in California. Just recently moved from Jersey. Man is doing big things right now, and I'm super proud of what he's accomplished. Me and him grew up basically grew up together, and it's been been quite the journey, man. He basically shared with us his、uh, his journey of getting rejected countless of times from different interviews, going through different jobs, and、um, no matter how many failures you go through, how many no's you get. Keep pushing forward, and he's definitely a testament to that.、Um, and man, I can't wait for you guys to hear this. So let's get to it. This is episode three of Ox Talk with Will Mo. Thank you for like taking the time out to do this podcast, man. You having like a lot of fun in California? Definitely a lot of fun. LA is a very special city in regards to、uh, the food culture here is great. Like you,、uh, last time you were here, yeah, it's、uh, amazing over there. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so not to not to mention the Asian food alone in the area. The seven thousand、yeah. Chinese restaurants. Oh my god! I still didn't、no. come out to again to California. So you showed me around the different places to eat and everything. Yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of places to eat, man. Oh my goodness, it's crazy. Yes, definitely. Next time come through, we'll, we'll get an Airbnb. If we, if we、uh, decide to go to Facebook and move to Silicon Valley,、um, me and Julio is planning to fly back、uh, once a month. Really? Once, uh, well, once a quarter maybe, just to eat for a weekend and go. That's、back. insane. <laughs> yeah, because the plane ride is only fifty three minutes. Yeah,、so、yeah, get, something like that, right? Yeah,、That's、if we get like awesome, global、dude. entry and skip all the lines, we should be able to be. From Silicon Valley to LA in about three hours. Oh my gosh! So, yeah. How, how is life different between like California and Jersey? I mean, you live in Jersey for a while,、yeah. so for you to move to California was that a totally different like change for you? Yeah, I think、um, I went through a process of, oh God, leaving everything behind. Yeah. How did you? How did you go? How did you manage that? Like, what helped you through that? Because a big like shift from like leaving. Wife being here was a big thing. Uh, opportunities. I feel. I feel if, if you're really into tech, you have to make it out to California, and the West Coast to be taken really, really seriously. It's definitely. I feel like there's more people and connections you will meet over here rather than over there.、Um, the weather obviously is a huge factor. Oh my you know, gosh, the weather、outside. is amazing, dude. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Seventy-five degrees or something. Oh my、degrees. gosh! It's like fifty here right now. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about seventy. That is insane. And sunny. It, it rained once in six months.、So. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I definitely got to visit California again. I miss it over there. Yeah, no, you should talk, definitely、uh, see if you can move out here. There's places in Los Angeles that you can go to that doesn't break the bank too much, like Santa Monica, but.、Um, You can still make it somewhere. I feel like LA is one of those really special places. Throughout high school, like you always had your stuff, your shit together. Even though you did went through a lot of shit, growing growing up, like you still managed to like come through that. And that's something I really admired you for. You know, like 
Because you you you're like, oh my gosh, like your your story was crazy. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I think a lot of the, you know, going through growing up from New Jersey and stuff. Uh, I mean, it was it was def- it wasn't fun, but I mean, I feel like everybody goes through some sort of like really tough times growing up in high school. And stuff. Um, I think my struggles didn't really start until. Uh, I decided to leave college without an actual degree and being able to finish later on and have the money to do that. You were like working and doing school like online, right? Uh, yeah, I finished Penn uh, State. Yeah, Penn State had fin- for some reason had uh, the economics program online, so I was able to finish. Yeah, you were able to finish that. I mean, you you busted your ass, bro. That that wasn't easy, you know. No, I think yeah, I was thinking, you know, before we started this podcast today, I was like, you know, what are some things that I wanted to share. Um, with you that I've learned through the last few years. I, I think one of the things that I identified is um, just really having a dream and trying to achieve it is really important because it's, it, that dream is a really distant goal that you're setting in your mind. And then you're going to determine why that dream makes you passionate and why that's your purpose. And then you identify how. How am I going to get there and how to do or build this roadmap so I can get there one day? And then what do I need to do now in the short term? What are my short term goals for the next three months, one month um, in order to help me get closer to that goal? And uh, that having that clear vision and internal compass was really important. When um, a lot of decisions came to be, such as, you know, uh, moving out to California, um, you know, when I weigh that decision against the goals that I wanted, I think it made everything really clear, like, this is what I need to do. Uh, it also meant leaving friends and family. But, That's tough. Uh, Did you have any doubts? Oh, yeah. I mean, every single minute, right? You make this decision, you, you, you're... Afraid, definitely. You're definitely afraid. Afraid of failure. And I think that's the second point I wanted to make, which is always take a step forward and never take a step backwards. It's really scary to get out of your comfort zone, but out of your comfort zone is how you grow. That's so true, dude. You can get complacent after a while being at a place for such a long time and not, not want to step out of your comfort zone. Because that's, that's where you learn the most, I feel like, when you step out of your comfort zone and like do take risks and do new things. That's, that's one reason why I want to start this podcast is a way for like, not only for us to like, you know, um, catch up again, but also for my listener to be inspired by your story. Be like, oh, he, he went through all this stuff. Like I can do it too. You know what I mean? Like as motivation or as inspiration. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, the first job uh, I got out of college was just a really bad sweatshop software firm and the amount of hours and really low pay. But, you know, sometimes you got to just stick it through because that the pain is only temporary. It will go away. But if you don't struggle through it, then that pain will last forever. So... Uh, you know, that time was painful, but, you know, moving on to a separate job because I have the experience, you're always growing, you're always looking for the next big thing, you're always looking for where to go next, you know, having that mindset is just the pain is temporary. So, you know, don't be a failure. Uh, I must have failed. Let me see how many interviews I failed. I failed my first Google interview. I failed a Snapchat interview. I failed two, actually three Google interviews total now. I failed 
another two other startup interviews, one bank interview, Morgan Stanley, Chase. But yeah, most of these big companies, like, you know, uh, any one of them, by getting into them, you, you feel good about yourself. But each time, uh, you just have to identify what you did wrong and how to learn going forward and take that experience. I don't think I would have gotten my job now at Riot at Facebook had I not gone through those failures of failing and understanding what I did wrong and what I need to improve upon. And it's not just like uh, thinking, oh, I went to the interview, I did bad. No, it's really analyzing like, okay, uh, there was, so my, my, let's just talk about my Google interview really quick. The first Google interview I went to had two rounds of phone interviews, one behavior interview, one technical interview where they look into a lot of systems, a software system design, uh, a business system analysis, uh, a lot of um, experience in seeing if you know how to actually build software and how it works. So that was that was like the technical round. So once I got past those two, I was pretty happy because with well, the feedback I got back from my recruiter uh, from after the first two rounds is that you have really positive uh, feedback. So we definitely want we want to fly you out to Mountain View and have you go go through the the on-site process. So I I prep. 60 hours. 60 every, hours? 60 hours. Oh, my every topic, God. Every topic I can think of regarding front-end system design, back-end system design, security, uh, dur- stability, durability of, of different systems, how to scale systems, how to build systems, um, just understanding all of those. And just I'm trying to get, because I felt inadequate in the tech department, because there is a stigma around not being a software background, even if tell you it's the only industry that doesn't require you to have a degree but uh if you have a software engineer background it's still a lot more positive oh okay that's what they're looking for right yeah yeah that's that's their core audience right uh that's who they're looking for so really going through that um went to that on-site interview i thought i did well enough on most interviews and and uh but Three days later, I got back from Mountain View. I got a phone call that said, sorry, uh, we're not proceeding forward. And I was devastated. You know, I asked if I can have any sort of feedback and nothing. Sorry, it's against our company policy to discuss anything of this sort. But, uh, you know, as you gain more experience, please come, please come back and visit. Jeez. So at that time, I was like, okay, what did I do wrong? I right, right. analyzed uh, the interviews I went to. There was system design. There was... Um, there was problem solving. There was uh, cross-team collaborations. Mm-hmm. There was prioritization. Now, looking back uh, at that time, I thought I knew quite a bit. And I knew what I needed to do in order to pass that interview. But after going through this last two years since that first faithful interview with Google, I I've, I've slowly realized how far off I was at the mark. Really? Yeah, it's just, there's just, you don't know what you don't know until you learn mm. those things from experience and yeah. how you get those experiences by failing at interviews and you, and by them asking you these questions and be curious about what the right answer is. You come back, you look it up, you, you read it, you understand what they're talking about now, what they're looking for. Then you go and study everything related to it. And that might, that might take you 20, 30 hours. So every one of these interviews I've been to, whether it's QA at Snapchat, business analysts at uh, Chase, or uh, 
uh, Morgan Stanley or, you know, just Facebook, Google, not technical program management, project management, all of these. Just I built a roadmap of, okay, so I need to learn this stuff. Where do I want to go in the short term? Okay, I want to be a project manager in the short term. What can I do to become a project manager? I need to ask for more responsibilities at work. I need to look at certifications. Uh, I need to put in X number of hours to make sure I can get those certifications. So uh, the next plan when I, after my Google interview was for me to, number one, finish my degree, which I did. Um, And then right after that, I could have chosen to relax because now I have my degree, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to get that, uh, that um, project management professional certification, uh, which is a one of those premier certification project managers in the United States. If you're a really good project manager, you will have one of those. Just It's not. It's just to have a piece of paper, kind of like another college degree, but it's a hundred, on average, people study about 80 to 100 hours in order to pass this test. So uh, at that time, uh, Julia, you know, she came here to the West Coast. So um, after she moved, I kind of was kind of lost because I my family's trapped in New Jersey. I really want to come out to the West Coast. But I know I want to do my PMP as well. So I, just, I looked for a job. Uh, while I was looking for a job, I also worked full-time. While working full-time, um, I was also studying um, my PMP stuff. And I got through, and I remember just doing at least one hour a night or hour and a half a night of just reading PMP books, understanding PMP books. And that took me, so it took me around uh, 75 hours. You tracked it? Yeah, I did. That's crazy, dude. Yeah, it's a 40-hour training. I watched a 40-hour training course on this, and you're required to have this education. And it's the most boring 40 hours of your life because the person speaks really slowly oh my and God. it's all about topics that aren't really useful um not super useful they're kind of valuable but not super i, I had a double speed kind of through his oh my course God, that is crazy dude <laughs> so so it was really boring but uh eventually i got my pmp and i thought everything was gonna be good after that and it wasn't but what happened it wasn't because um that's there's no magical shortcut or ticket that can get you to success instantly. That certification shows that you have the motivation to put in in order to make that happen. You know, while I was taking the PMP and stuff, I would go to the gym every day and think about, you know, it's tough right now. I don't have time for friends. I can't go out. I don't, I don't have a social life. Uh, I can't see my wife. I, um, you know, families face financial difficulties. I need to do what I need to do in order to make our lives better. So uh, it was definitely a lot of, uh, you know, uh, self-dedication and motivation through it. I worked 14 hours a day, 365 days a year for two and a half years to get here. There was no off days. It doesn't matter what I was doing. I needed to do some sort of learning that day so I can improve, so I can get better, so I can become um, a better uh, husband, um, better person, better worker, better you know, uh, project manager. Uh, so, yeah, uh, once I got my PMP and things like that, um, that's how I got my startup job in Venice in blockchain because uh, you know it was really interesting. So everything, everything I learned about like project management and stuff, and that I really got to put it to use at that startup. What was interesting for about blockchain? Like, what drew you into blockchain? 
the movement. I feel like this is the first time I ident- identified with a group of people with a common mission. And it was the first time I worked in an environment where people are working towards improving, I guess, advancing the crypto movement. And the crypto movement is behind trust. We want to build, build trust on the internet. We want to further the cause of, uh, you know, tr- in basically be able to trust people on the internet. Because with if you think about like the 20, uh, 2008 financial crisis and things like that, um, that was really the seed of when blockchain was born. We could not trust our banks anymore to secure our money. I mean, teachers, doctors, whatever, lost their pension because um, of the financial crisis. My stepdad lost his job during the financial crisis. It's just in a group that I can identify with that, you know, the concept behind blockchain is just perfect for uh, creating a open, uncontrolled, people-controlled currency that you can track the everything from you, your identity and how your identity being is used across the internet to if the piece of orange you have on your table is really organic and which farm was it from and how long it was on the truck and who was the actual grocery, uh, the warehouse that kept it for how long was in the grocery store. Wow, that's crazy. You can track all of this information on the blockchain. If you think about the blockchain, it's just a very secure database system. So uh, that's what is interesting about it. And I think there, uh, when I took that job, I was definitely very scared. Why are you scared? Startups are very risky, mm-hmm. especially cryptocurrency startups. Cryptocurrency has a negative um, connotation these days in the tech industries due to the fact that there's a lot of scammers. Um, there's, and there's no practical application of blockchain. Nobody implemented a fully functional blockchain system that can do what they promised to do yet, that can uh, make our lives better. We haven't seen the return on investment yet. So that's that's why it's very, um, it's kind of like the dot-com boom era when everything, if you just attach the name behind it, then... Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's why... Um, I was scared, you know. Um, I, I had a cushy job in New Jersey. Uh, I I can work maybe about 35 hours a week, um, be close to about 100k salary, um, and it'd be super comfortable, you know. And that's why I was scared. So, um, but eventually, I did take the leap anyway and took that job. Yeah, dude, I admire you for that. Like that took a lot of courage for you to take that leap, knowing that like you kind of like don't know what's gonna happen. You know, but you did it anyways, and it worked out. You know. Yeah, absolutely. What I learned in that startup is invaluable towards my um, getting my job at Riot, just because I learned so much about, you know, uh, software infrastructure, which is completely. Uh, I've never touched that area before. Um, also, learned how to build mobile apps correctly, how to deal with uh, startups, deal with lawyers, deal with external dependencies, risks be able to build technical roadmaps. You know, when I first got there, it wasn't all sunshine and dreams. It was literally like, I get there and they said, uh, we were going to give you, a, we're, we were going to give you a week to onboard. A week is really short, by the way, um, in tech industry. But actually our product person left three days before you start it. So what we need to do now is to build us a complete roadmap. Here is the strategy. Here's our MVP uh, here's not even the MVP. Here's a uh, here's the vision of the product we want to build. 
here is some of the results of the market research the product manager previously did. And we want to launch this by May 15th. I started January, I think January 10th or so. So I had about four months to get up to speed, design the entire, help design the entire system that can uh, manage people's currencies in, in their mobile app, have, have a Android version, a iOS version, and a web version all in three months. So, oh yeah, that gosh. was... It was, it was, was that was that just you, or did you have a team? Or I had no, obviously I had a team. I had a team okay. of, of uh, twelve um, software engineers, uh, infrastructure engineers, um, QA people. You know, uh, the team was there to make sure we can get through this. But uh, there was definitely a lot of learning for me to like a crash course in product management, how to build an actual good product, how to. I mean, I've done a little bit of it previously, right, but not this, uh, not this, not depth, this level. Yeah. And we were using, you know, the latest technology. We we're building all of this on the latest, um, uh, latest code, such as like React Native, which is a uh, Facebook. That's what Facebook's written in Instagram, uh, Facebook's mobile app, I should say. And uh, what that allows you to do is be able to build one version of the app and use it on web. Uh, iOS and Android at the same time. So it was one of those technologies a lot of companies like to use to move fast. And the stress there for me at that job was just because the fact that um, I was, every day I was there, I knew how much money we were burning out the door. And there's a certain amount of money in the bank from our venture capitals. And we do, if we don't hit some goal at the middle of the year, then we don't get the next round of uh, next round of fund. They don't release the next batch of funding, and we didn't want to go to the ICO route, which is the uh, scam people maybe, and you never may never see a product route. It's really stressful. It was extremely stressful. Um, so that was what ten hours a day. Uh, never really stopped for me, uh, and also I was taking care of. Were you always this driven? No. I think I was this driven when I failed to graduate. So that was a kick in the ass you needed to like step it up. I think so. I feel like in high school I was definitely driven because my mom pushed me. Now I'm driven is be- just because the fact that I want to. It's it's different now because at first you build this habit, right? You can't just overnight become motivated to do something. You can start by doing it one day at a time. It will be painful. It will be annoying. You want to stop. You want to go on Facebook. You want to watch Netflix. You want to play video games, but you force yourself to focus on task at hand and say to yourself, okay, once I finish this task, I can then go on to relax for a little bit. And then once you're done with this task, though, you start identifying other tasks that might take up your time before you can do that again. So uh, you quickly start building a habit of wanting to get things done, and that gets wired into your system of just, I need to get these things out of the way before I can sit and relax. So, uh, you know, my days nowadays start at 8 in the morning to meet with my New Jersey team, and then I work an hour, and I meet my Riot team, and I go go to work at Riot uh, around like 9-ish, um, and and then, you know, I get home maybe at 7, and then I work, work another three hours or four hours for my New Jersey company. And then, uh, yeah, I have about an hour a day of what I want to do. Of, like, downtime. Of downtime. On the, on the weekdays, and, right? 
on the weekdays. Yeah. And a lot of those times, you know, um, part of that is just attributed to, um, you know, sitting down with my wife and giving her 30 minutes of quality time because you need that, right? You need to maintain your relationship with my wife. The thing is, she's very understanding and she she uh, hasn't complained too much. But on the weekends, I make sure to take her out to a nice dinner. Yeah. Well. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's happy, right? So she's happy and making sure. Yeah, but on during the weekdays, you know, it's complete. Uh, what helped you to balance that out? I mean, of course, like when you first start, you're like trying to like figure things out. But like what helped you with your wife to like sit down and like talk about that? You really have to sit down and just have that conversation with her where you're like, you know, I am trying to achieve a dream and a goal. And this is how I have to do it uh, to get there. And this is what I need to do now to get there. So um, I'm going to set aside this time, quality time, for us to be able to, um, you know, ha- enjoy that, that time, because I will be completely focused on you without no, no distraction of anything else. It could, it, you know, it could be us just quietly sitting on a couch reading a book or spending some quality time, um, I don't know, doing, watching TV or whatever it, it might be, but anything outside of that time. I am focusing completely on what I need to do and my task at hand, whether it's my making sure our projects get delivered in Jersey or whether our projects get delivered at Riot. Um, there's always something I need to think about in the, in the future, um, mitigating risks and things like that. But uh, just a clear expectation um, of just this is our time mm-hmm. around this time. And, yeah. you know, you have my 100% full attention. That's, I think that that's very important. To be present, right, during that time yeah. when you have with your wife. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I'd rather give her 30 minutes, an hour of undivided attention than me giving her three, four hours of... Yeah, like you on your phone exactly. working while you're on, like, you know, having dinner or something like that. Yeah, I hear you, man. I did that for a while, actually. Like, we, we did really didn't have this quality time where... Uh, she would try to talk to me and I would be in the middle of tasks. And, you know, when she starts interrupting me, I actually start getting angry. And I've, no- I've quickly noticed and that was hurting our relationship because she started to be a little bit afraid of talking to me when I'm working. So I was like, so our, our, our agreement is <laughs> if she needs to talk to me about something really important, she'll first call me, make sure I am completely paying attention to her. I will take off my headphones, put my things down and hundred percent attention to make sure we can take care of the risk because if I'm trying to think about uh, a, working on a specific task uh, at hand and while trying to solve another problem or listening to her then I'm not really achieving anything the results are not very good <laughs> and, exactly. and at least two arguments actually, so. <laughs> and, and for the listeners that don't know how'd you guys meet uh, we met that really bad software firm <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I love because you guys worked together, right? Yeah, we did. That that is too funny, man. How that worked out? Yeah, it was really funny. I think one of the other things um, on the journey I've noticed is that mm-hmm. uh, while switching a lot of these jobs, I always, I, I you know, I kept saying to myself, "This doesn't make any sense. I don't think the direction I'm taking here is going to take me to where I want to go, or this is not where." this is not the direct path to the things I want in life. And I realized that the, the plans you set are a, not a straight arrow. There is no straight line to the goals you're trying to achieve. 
uh, you just have to, like, if you ever hear that Steve Jobs um, uh, graduation speech at Stanford. Oh, yeah, I love that speech. Yeah, that's, you know, he goes into a little bit where you just have to um, trust that the path will take you to where you need to go. And that really hit home, um, thinking back on all those things where, like, all these jobs in different areas I thought maybe they're not to where I needed to be actually led me to, you know, uh, a position at Facebook or um, led me to where I am today with the understanding of being able to, if I really wanted to start a startup, then I have the knowledge to be able to do that, to build a product for people. I know how to build software now. I understand the architecture and things like that behind it now. And that was really due to the fact that I just, those jobs even though they might have not completely been on the path I wanted to do, still contributed to the overall knowledge and helped me get to where I am today. And, uh, yeah, so that was a really... They're basically the stepping stones for you to... Because, like, you had an end goal in mind, but then you weren't unsure of these other paths, right? Yeah, in the end, it will take you to where you need to go. You went through a lot, bro. Like, it was not easy. There are definitely a lot of roadblocks, all those, all those rejections... And having to like pick yourself up again, and keep going. That must have been really tough. Oh, absolutely. I mean, after that first interview with Google, that one failure was just so weighed so high in my mind. I probably was depressed for two weeks. But um, like after two weeks, I really thought, okay, I am going to interview again next year, and I am going to get in next year, and that's the goal I have for next year. So what do I need to do? from here to next year in order to get to achieve that then you determine the areas you need to work on and then you set a plan on how to achieve those certain areas and you will not stop working on one area until you completely understand and become an expert and then move on to the next and really there's just there's no short path to success other than be able to just work really hard and be dedicated when you were playing your goals, did you have like a vision board? Did you like write everything down? Did you map it out? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a concept called um, story mapping uh, in, in agile software development, but you can apply this this idea to basically everything. Um, the idea is just that you identify big different categories. So imagine Trillo. Have you ever? I'm sorry, uh, Trillo, not Trillo. 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 Yeah, that. So if you ever uh, worked with Trillo. You know, you can make columns, and then you can add cards into those columns. So what you do is you will create columns for each of the major areas you want to identify that things you want to work on, whether it's uh, your technical knowledge, whether it's uh, a different software, whether it's um, become a better person, whichever area you want to be working on, right? Mm-hmm. You would then put, put into those areas um, things that you need to achieve. Um, in order to get there, it might be, for example, let's say uh, you want to bake a cake. You know, you could story map this with um, just, you know, I we need the the batter. I need to go. Uh, one pillar might be shopping. One pillar might be the actual uh, uh, mixing process. One pillar might be the actual baking process. And then you will put uh, different cards in these fields, such as I need to buy eggs. I need to buy flour. I need to buy sugar. I need to buy vanilla. I need to buy chocolate chip and uh then you would put that in the shopping column and then you would put 
and then you will go through each of the columns and identify things you want to do and you need you feel like you need to do in order to get to that goal of yours, which is to have a chocolate chip cookie at the end. So, um, and then you you then just go through the process. You know, you go down the list, and that's how you can. And then you stack rank different things. So, like maybe chocolate chip is not a great way because it's like a very process driven. Like if you're trying to discover something, you don't you have zero idea. Um, you know, you can you can prioritize different things by putting them in the left, the topmost leftmost column. So the columns to the right are the things that are farther away, and it might be not might not be your highest priority. Any cars on the top left corner of your Trello board might be the most important thing you need to work on, whether it's uh, you know studying to get graduate from college or ace that test to. Uh, Finishing a certain project, so you get a promotion or what, whichever, or advancing your own knowledge areas in order to get in the next job or to do whatever you wanted to do. So uh, that's really important, and just having that board and be able to add to it and and build a roadmap of goals and things you want to accomplish and pick something and set a deadline. Really set a de- deadline for yourself for when you want to accomplish this. If you're just putting ideas on paper and you never implement it and never expect yourself to do it, then it's very difficult. Uh, you can also get people to to hold you accountable to those goals. Utilize. Did, did you have someone? Did you have someone accountable for that? Uh, I think, I think my wife, <laughs> a little bit. She pushed me. She, she pushed me very hard, um, in a loving way. She, you know, she always said, uh, she always identified, you know. Um, you, you, you need to graduate college. You know, you need to, uh, you always talk about getting this certification. You just need to get it now. Um, you know, I believe that you're going to get a great job. I believe you're going to, you're going to achieve this goal. I believe you're going to get into Facebook and Google. And, you know, eventually I did achieve that goal. Yeah. You pretty much like manifested that too, for it to happen from writing things down, from mind mapping it to your wife encouraging you to achieve your goals like yeah, I will have this I will do this kind of like in a way like manifested into uh, into where you are now you know yeah and you know it's very difficult along the way because nobody is going to support you the way that um, if you don't support yourself and be driven it's, it's really on you because whenever I try to switch job um, you know my mom was actually the biggest adversary against it. <laughs> she always said, "Oh, you have a comfortable, safe job. Why do you want to leave?" You know, she. It doesn't matter what I wanted to do and go forward with. There's always somebody, whether family or friends, who are going to be there to say, "No, you can't." And what you need to say back to them is, "Watch me. I will do this." And you know, I think that 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 really in the end is that. Um, you quickly realize who your real friends are who will always be there for you um it's a it's a lonely road um, it is dude it is very oh my god yo i've known you for like almost a, like over a decade already you know like yeah, we've been through true. it together since day one and so like to see you now like i'm super proud of you if you were to go back in like in time to the young Wilmo, what advice would you would you give him the pain is temporary and it's not here to stay it's it will, it will go away. You just have to work hard and wait for the right opportunity and take those opportunities when they're presenting themselves. Nobody's going to hand you anything. You have to work for it. 
you really do have to work for things. And, you know, don't be afraid of taking a risk and trying something because your life is the complete summary of your choices, right? Anything you decide not to do, that you're basically saying no to life. So, um, you know, really try a lot of different things. Don't be afraid to fail. I mean, you can always get back up. Yes, I mean, uh, that's Jack true. Ma, Jack Ma from Alibaba, basically, he was. He his story is really funny. If you ever watch his a uh, uh, speech, um, he, he he had an interview where he basically said he he was trying to get into college and and he couldn't get into college. Not even China. He got rejected from Harvard like twelve times and never got in. He he went to this the high school he went to was so bad mm-hmm. that basically they combined fifth grade and sixth grade and um they also had like that his, the school he went to was really really bad <laughs> and he uh he also what else he said he was trying to look for a job on the police force uh eight people went to interview seven people was accepted he wasn't kfc opened in shanghai for the first time KFC. Uh, yeah, and then he went to get a job there. Like the 15 or so people that went there, 14 of them got accepted. He was not accepted. You know, this this story just continuously go on and on and on. And now he's the, and now he owns Alibaba. <laughs> yeah. So, oh my gosh, that's crazy. It's kind of like your story in a way too. <laughs> like you being rejected all these jobs. Like we'll see, right? Yeah, we'll see. I, you know, um, still young. We'll, we'll see what happens in the future, but. This is a good, good way to get actually get started. I think there's a really good Facebook value, and Facebook ha- internally, I think, going through there for the interview, I uh, I did get the sense that they have a saying where they say, "Words just getting started," and we we've only done the one percent. Now, we know Facebook has two billion active users per day, and they still have this mindset of "we're just getting started." So. I feel like that like resonated with me quite a bit when I when I went there to interview, which is just, you know, I'm just getting started. I, you know, many people think once you get into a good job, then that's the end goal. You made it, but you know, you've just got started. That's how you keep being hungry, right? And yeah. be humble too. I mean, like if you just yeah. believe, oh, in, well, I just getting started. Like it keeps you humble and grounded, so you're not like so like get cocky and like arrogant and think that you're the shit. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think a lot of times, um, it's very weird that the money can get to your head. Yeah. um, You know, I, when I was in New Jersey, was not well off. Now, now me and my wife, we, we can, we can fill out our Roth IRAs, 401ks, save a whole bunch of money, um, be able to go to a grocery store and really buy anything we want without having to worry about the bills. We don't have to think about or look at price tags for things anymore. Yeah, that is, that's the dream, man, you know, <laughs> to be able to walk in this uh, grocery store and not care about the price, whatever. Yeah. And, you know, be able to support my parents and have my stepdad retire and be able to give them money so that mm-hmm. he doesn't have to go to work anymore. It's a life-changing experience and I can see how it could get to my head where I can start getting too cocky and think mm-hmm. that um, that I'm now better than everybody because my income is at a certain level now than before. But yeah. I think a lot of that is is you definitely just have to like take a step back and, and really think about how having this money is going to change you and how to live humbly and how to um, still make sure that the way you talk, the way you act, the way you 
uh, speak with others or not making others feel that they're you're looking down upon them because in the end the thing is you know uh, you there's many many things you can learn from everybody around you and it's, it's you know it's you don't know everything you will never know everything and this is the the whole point of um, of uh, completely side on note off note off topic is all about agile software development which is just sharing knowledge and being able to um, utilize the strength in others to to achieve success as a team so yeah really useful yeah that 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 is very useful man like that's like it also goes back to appreciation also you know what i mean like to be appreciative or to feel gratitude versus like where you were before and where you are now you know because you've been through a lot bro you've grown a lot too i feel like you've grown a lot more in california than you did in jersey like I absolutely feel like, yeah yeah definitely i feel like you matured a lot more <laughs> and like you're like a much happier person yeah i think it just it just came down to you know, I actually feel like the work environment you're working in is so important that it dictates everything you need to do. It really dictates everything you, you want to do with your life. Like if you are constantly working at a job that you're unhappy in, then it's, it's slowly killing you. Like there's a speech by a really good motivational speaker called Simon Sinek. Uh, he has a really good book called Start With Why, but mm-hmm. he has a couple of really other it's good a great book. Yeah, that, that book is gold. Um, you know, he has a saying where, like, our jobs are actually killing us with uh, stress, insomnia, da-da-da-da-da-da, uh, et cetera, health problems and things like that. So, you know, when you need to work, then, you know, it's very pivotal that you do something you love and you do something that makes you feel passionate and that's why you know uh people are so driven at riot at facebook at google is because they believe in the cause they have a purpose if you have daniel pink has a really good book uh and on motivation and how to motivate people and uh it's it's really interesting do you know what the book's called yeah it's called drive drive Drive. okay by Daniel Pink, and that book basically goes into um, incentives, how people are incentivized to do different tasks. And basically, the TLDR of that book is what they're saying is that if a person is rewarded to do a uh, repetitive, mundane task, then there's a very big chance that as the pro- as the reward gets larger, uh, the more likely they will fail. Actually, really, it's very interesting. But it, yeah, if if you give incentive to do a very repetitive task such as you know i just say i just making coffee or or what whatever right right it's a good incentive to make sure people are working faster and it's a good incentive to get people to to do more but if people are doing something that are in that requires any thought uh, any sort of actual uh creativity then they've that method doesn't work. And what people are really driven is driven by three things. And um, those three things are autonomy, purpose, and mastery. Autonomy is just, are you, do you have the freedom to do the things you want to do? And can do you have the freedom to be able to um, do things your way at work? And that's really dependent against work culture, right? Do you, right, can, right. Do you have autonomy? And most of these large companies 
large tech companies give you that autonomy to do what you need to do, be entrepreneur, take risks, and build the things you want to build and solve the problems you want to solve and you think that should be solved so that it creates the most amount of impact for people. Do you feel that most companies like outside of tech like encourage people to pursue like entrepreneurial like ventures? No. No, right? No. I feel like a lot of these companies still take the business practices from the 1960s, which is um, which is actually end up hurting themselves. Uh, they have the approach of, uh, we'll give you X amount of money to do this work, and uh, we'll cut our losses, and we will cut you if we feel like our end of the quarter uh, profits is that, and our end of quarter numbers aren't good. We need to balance the books. And, you know, this kind of thinking doesn't motivate people. Going back a bit on the um, uh, just autonomy purpose part, those three things should be measured very strongly. Um, we, uh, on my team at Riot, um, an indicator of team health is really just, we look at, is, are people having fun? Are people able to do, have the freedom to do what they want to do? Are we giving them a purpose? And are we... Um, are we challenging them? Is this work challenging them and allowing them to grow? And if, if not, you know, then what can we do to make sure that the people are growing? If pe- company should be people-focused and long-focused rather than product-focused and rather than uh, profit-focused. And I think that that's really one of the biggest factors of these large tech companies is that a lot of them really have placed a ton of focus on a mission, a purpose, rather than rather than the, the, the amount of money in their pockets. And I think that's why it attracts so much young people that have dreams and a lot of just ability to build things and solve problems you want to solve. And that's what's so attractive to me and, and a lot of my colleagues as well. You know, it's, it's in the end, when you get to a certain level at a tech company or whichever company, I think really like when money starts becoming not really a problem, um, the the different type of analysis now that I can start weighing is actually where will I gain the most amount of growth and where can I make the most amount of impact. So uh, I mean, because had I not weighed things this way, I would have I would have worked for a, a different company. Uh, different tech company that's not super interesting but was offering me uh, quite a bit of money just to join them but it's not all about money guys yeah that's very true Yo, this has been great man I think we have a good episode here bro yeah definitely we, have, uh, we haven't talked in a very long time <laughs> we have not we've been so busy bro is there anything else that you think we missed no no I think that's it and then we're good, man. This has been, yeah, this has been great. I got some good stuff. All right, guys. That was episode three of Ox Talk. If you enjoyed listening to the podcast, you know, let me know. Screenshot your phone. Share it out to your Instagram stories. Let me know how you like the podcast. Um, if you're listening to this now, it's going to be 2019. So with that, happy new year to you and your family. And can't wait to see you guys next year, 2019. Let's do it.